0: If you're a beginner, we're not going to talk over your head. It's more like asking your buddy for help. We have guests, we have fun, and let me tell you, these two can get off on a tangent. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to HTML All The Things Podcast. This is Matt Lawrence and Mike Coran. That's
1: it, everybody. We are back, and this is the HTML All The Things Podcast. This episode is titled, Should Junior Developers Work For Free? To get experience. And this stems from a conversation that I've seen online kind of sporadically over the past few weeks, and I'm sure it's been out there for a while now. And that is that junior developers, uh, especially freelancing, I find, kind of are stuck in this weird place where they need experience. They don't know how to get it quickly unless they do work for free. Should you do that? Should you be doing work for free? So we're going to talk about that today. If this sounds interesting to you and you want to support the show, you can go check us out on that Patreon. Leave a review rating on your podcast app. Join us in our Discord server. Share this with your friends. If you want to support the show, you can, of course, go check us out on with our Scrimbo link. Uh, it is a discount link. If you want to learn more about web development from some talented instructors with an interactive code editor video player, go check that out. Link will be in the show description on your podcast app if it supports links. And if it doesn't, you can go to our website in our show notes and it'll be there as well. So I just want to kind of briefly introduce this topic and just to kind of give you an idea as to where I'm coming from. And then we'll talk about the pros, the cons of client work specifically. And then we're also going to talk of working free in client work, I mean. And then we're also going to then talk about open source versus free client work and what the difference is there if you're helping an open source project or if you're helping someone who is uh usually for profit or even for some nonprofits basically you're helping a corporation of some sort or some sort of business and then uh, we're going to have a discussion or a debate after we go through all the points about should you ever work for free so this introduction kind of starts with the quote i see a lot of on social media which is kind of a meme for a lot of different jobs not just web development and that is you need experience to get a job but you can't get a job without experience and that holds true for junior developers and it holds true for web developers freelancers everything really because if you're a freelancer You know, you might have a portfolio website, but if you go on a freelancing sort of job board and you say to the people, you know, here's my proposal, blah, 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 here's my resume, whatever they're asking for, you fill all that out, you give it to them and then they they come to you and they go, oh, hey, can you show us some of the work you've done? You might show them your portfolio if you have not already, but they might say, no, no, I want to see some real world things. And if you don't, they may pass you up. Or they may want you to do it for free or very cheap. And that's sort of one of the situations in which you can have an opportunity come up to you to get to work for free. For some reason, I mean, people that want stuff for free are somehow find or sniff out or something junior developers on social media and such, because I do see a lot of junior developers going, hey, you know, I need experience and I have this opportunity to work for free. Uh, you know, what do you think about that? Whether that's coming from freelance boards, whether it's coming from DMs or whatever, you know, it is a big question because should you stand fast on your worth? Even as a junior dev, you do have some sort of worth, obviously, in terms of worth to their business or worth to their project. I mean, financially, I'm speaking. And so, you know, should you stand fast and say, no, I'm going to only work for the money? And then there's even another question in there. Should I work for a reduced rate temporarily? Like, what should I do there? Or does it make sense to work for free to get that experience because it's sort of faster and easier? And so it's a bit of a weird uh, position that a lot of junior developers find themselves in. It's also a little bit strange. I do want to point out, too, is that in a lot of careers, um, there are, at least here in Canada, there um, is or was, I'm pretty sure it's still happening, uh, the ability to work in when you're in a college or university. You can work for a co-op and a co-op is usually – it's called cooperative education. And you get paid for that. Uh, you get paid for that. you get you know you you can even negotiate your wage sometimes depending on your school um depends on your school policy. and basically you can go get some money, they know you're a co-op and the government helps pay them here so they help helps pay your wage. and so they're may they're getting you know another worker that they know is a beginner, and you're getting paid for that. but there's also is why I bring this up there's also an internship and and it's in the same school so Mike and I went to college um, for computer engineering technology. We did co-ops. We got paid. But I know people who are in the same college, but in a different program, completely different program, completely different field. But they did they had to do internships. And those internships were unpaid. You basically come in, you work for, you know, whatever it is, and you have to hit a certain amount of hours or days' works, whatever the parameters are, but that is unpaid. And The good kind of news about that is that you're getting work experience while you're still in college. Unfortunately, you're not being paid, so you still have to drive there, commute there, whatever, get there and, you know, live after too. So, you know, it can be challenging, but you're getting sort of your work experience bit or at least the beginning of it out of the way right out of the right out of the gate. And I the reason why I mentioned this is that, you know, clearly the education system, which are the professional educators, right, so they clearly have insight into this stuff, they acknowledge both ways of doing things. They acknowledge both the cooperative education way, which is you're getting paid as somebody who is a beginner or a junior dev in this particular case. Or they also acknowledge the, hey, um, you know, we're going to get our students to work for you for free, but it's, you know, for the experience kind of thing. So what are the pros,
2: of working for free for a client specifically. So j just, just before we jump in too too far into the pros, I did want to kind of give my thoughts on uh what the like I guess what the landscape is right now as well. I think I think this changes as the cycle of how in demand the work is goes. So, like, for instance, during 2020, during the boom of developer jobs, I would say. The answer always would be never work for free. I would say, like well, anyone you ask, for, like you'd be crazy because you can do a three month boot camp and get a job right away. That happened for a little while. As the market kind of declines and as developer jobs go become harder to get and become more of a grind and a slog, this mentality changes. It shifts to being like, well, maybe it's okay. Maybe there is a landscape for unpaid internships. Maybe there is a landscape for uh, doing stuff. For free for a company, or doing stuff for free for a client to gain more trust to then get to the next phase. So it's an interesting argument that we're going to be having. If you're listening to this during a booming period of economic growth, and there's millions of jobs out there for you, and you, you know, I would say no. Uh, and we're going to have a deeper discussion on this later. But I'm just saying, like, I want to give a a baseline with the fact that the, our experiences right now, what we're going to be saying right now. Is indicative of the market that we're currently in, which is kind of a declining developer market. Okay, so there's going to be a little bit of bias towards that, and a little bit of um, a little bit of uh, I can't like complicity in the fact that maybe free work is a possibility at this point. Right, you might scoff on it later.
1: I've absolutely seen this argument and I'm sure we'll talk about it in sort of the final segment of the show where we debate all the points that were presented, but just to sort of preview it, I guess here, one of the things that I'd have seen people say is, you know, the the job market is soft right now, but they're looking forward to it strengthening in the future, whether that's 2024 or whenever, you know, no one knows what the economy is going to do. And so at the end of the day, it's like, do what you have to now because it's slim pickings, but then- you'll be ready basically for when there isn't slim pickings. And so you might be able to stop your free work almost immediately once the, if the market picks up. And then now you have experience, whereas some other people may have been doing an unrelated, say, part-time job or something while they're learning. They never got work experience. And now they're trying to enter the market as a fresh dev. Whereas you work for free for a few months, got some work experience. And then now you're going into the job market with with work experience. That's going to look attractive, assuming your work was good in the in the field. But the pros of working for free, specifically in client work. So for a client, whether it's a business or a hobbyist or whomever, whoever it is you're working for, you're working for a third party, effectively. And the main thing, of course, we've mentioned this a bunch of times in this episode already, and I'm sure we will continue to say it, is that get it, you're getting experience. But when it's free, you get you're getting experience at minimal stakes to both you and the client. So they're not paying you. Obviously. And so they're not worried about their 10K, their 20K, their $100, their $200, whatever the scale of the job is. And they know you're a beginner. So I find that things kind of open up socially when you're, when you're doing stuff for free. So you can literally say things like, you know, just let you know, like, because I am going to be doing this for free, like I am a complete beginner. They probably know that because they may have sniffed you out, right? On social media. And you can say, I'm a complete beginner. So I'm going to have to research this stuff to learn how to do it. I've never done this particular thing. And that does come up in paid meetings as well. We tell clients that, hey, I've actually never tried that before, but I'm absolutely willing to look into that or, you know, I've never tried that that type of troubleshooting before. I'll I'll give it a look because we can't know everything. But I find that the meetings just seem to be a little more open when this type of thing happens because people will just talk about how, oh, hey, like I published this, whatever it is, like I published this portfolio project and it was completely wrong. There, there There's no stakes on the table. Whereas when everyone's sort of competing for that dollar, people kind of like want to cover up those mistakes and it's like, uh-oh. Like I don't want people to know that I accidentally published my API key or I don't want people to know this and that. And there's obviously um, a spectrum here where some people are always opening on and honest. some people are always sort of closed and sort of, let's say, polish their social media profiles so that their public image is super squeaky clean, and super happy and super great. But when there's no money on the table, the stakes are low. And so even your clients might be a little more open and saying like, hey, this, this is a total shot in the dark for them. They don't know if this is going to make money. They don't even know if this is going to go into production. But they're willing to give you a letter of reference or they're willing to, you know, ensure that, um, they're callable or emailable, contactable as a reference or they're willing to, you know, endorse what you're doing on LinkedIn or whatever, right? Like you can have that, those conversations, especially because something is, has to be, in my opinion, something has to be exchanged here other than experience. Um, and it's not money in this particular case. So usually it's something else. Yes, experience is a big part and they're getting some sort of product. But usually there's something else, right? So you can have those conversations and it's a little more open.
2: I think another, another pro of working for free and I think a lot of times this is where people lean towards is like if you're working for a nonprofit or a charity, uh, they're not obviously in it for the money. So maybe you shouldn't be. And if you have a direct connection to the charity or if you have just passion for it and you have the time, why not? right? Like you're like anyone else would go and help out at a soup kitchen or like an old folks home or something like that. You could do the same thing with your professional skills and help a charity get a website up and running in a weekend or something like that. So there are certain cases where you might not get anything back other than the fact that you're giving something. uh, But the fact that you're getting, you're, you know, you're helping out the community, you're helping out an organization that maybe doesn't have the funds to be able to pay for a web developer. Uh, but they're getting a sick website because you're a great designer. Um, that's a plus. That's a plus overall. I know it's kind of like a you know halo signaling or whatever, uh, however you want to call it. But the reality is a lot of times if you talk about free work, people will lean towards being like, well, why not if you're working for something that's not generating an income? Um, the other little thing on top of that in terms of getting something back If you have a free freelancer agency or if you have like a, an actual like development agency and you do charity work, you can technically, I believe, write that off. Uh, there is some tax magic that you can do where you can, you know, charge and then refund and then that refund can go towards taxes. I'm not a tax expert. Don't quote me on that, but check your jurisdictions, check your, check with your accountants. There might be some magic there you can do to actually gain some, Money back through taxes um, if you do free work for charities
1: and like the charity angle too. I'm sure will come up when we talk about open source because obviously open source isn't necessarily charity, but you could kind of see it as it being charitable to the community at large, especially if it's a popular and in demand project that you're going to be working on uh, because you're helping out you're helping out people that you're you're helping out a project that is helping out people and usually. Open source projects, not always, but usually they are free. And so that's helping, you know, really people down on their luck or people that just really need a cool tool um, as well. And so you're being charitable to the community and possibly being charitable to people that can't afford the the paid premium version of whatever it is that is uh, available as open source. Also. The one of the other prawns, one of the prawns, one of the other pros of working for um, working for free for a client is the opportunity to get technical and social experience. So what do I mean by that? So technical experience has a no brainer. You're messing with their databases. You're messing with their user interfaces. You're having conversations with them, right? But there's the key difference. So usually when you're working on a portfolio project, maybe you watch a YouTube video, maybe you went through a boot camp, maybe you went to a college or something, and you did the the portfolio projects that they suggested. Maybe there was a list of ones that they suggested. You chose a few of them and you made them, but you never really had a conversation with somebody about their needs, their wants, uh, and and what was possible. And so you're gaining an angle, or you're gaining some experience rather uh, in social sort of professionalism. You're learning how to be social with people, to interface with the technical side of things, but you're also learning how to be social in a professional environment. It's entirely possible this is your first job. You're just out of college. You've never done anything except for go to elementary school, maybe like a middle school, a high school, and then a college, and now you're working. So you've always been sort of institutionalized, and you've never really gone out and talked to people in offices or talked to people remote or whatever. And so now you're getting you know, that, that social uh, interface. You're also getting the social professionalism of like, hey, can, how do I answer emails properly? do i you know how formal do i have to be how informal do i have to be how do i manage threads like do i always reply to all do i reply you know in an offshoot should i quickly dm this person with the in interoffice dm to ask before going on a thread you know i don't want to out anybody maybe you do want to out somebody if something really bad's happening and so you're learning all these things on top of the technical aspect of things and that shoehorns right into my next point, which is working with a team. So you're gaining experience. Now, this isn't always the case. This, of course, varies depending on the, the size and the scale of what, of uh, whatever it is you're working on. But sometimes you'll be sort of the, the intern or the, the volunteer, I guess, worker, um, on a team and you're just helping the team do something specific. Maybe they just don't have the time to make the landing pages and that's what you're doing for free, but you're gaining experience working with a team. You're getting those social benefits of talking to different people. You you understand that, you know, hey, this person's busy. I shouldn't talk to them right now. Or like this is an emergency. I'm going to have to bug them. It doesn't matter what. Or I sh- maybe I should talk to my tech lead. Oh, I'm asking too many questions. Fair enough. You know, yada, yada. So you're gaining that sort of uh, specific understanding. And then also you're gaining the team tools as well. So GitHub is a, is a prime example. Git wasn't taught to Mike and I in school it probably should have been. Um, I know they revamped the curriculum, so maybe it is now, but GitHub is a is a key tool, is a version control tool that teams will use and solo people, solo developers will use as well. But that is something that you're gonna have to you know look at, read through their documentation, learn how to do pull requests, learn how to contribute to things properly. Try not to step on anyone else's toes, meaning other developers when they're doing changes as well. Um, GitHub is just one example, though. You might be using ticket software like Jira, for example, is a very popular one, but there's a whole bunch of other ones out there as well. Um, Spiceworks, I think, is one of them. There's a couple other ones as well. And so there's a lot of different sort of tools that you wouldn't be using on your solo, um, your solo projects at school, your solo portfolio projects, or even just your solo side projects, because you know, maybe you do use GitHub, but you kind of don't need to. It's not really like a, an absolute requirement. And Mike and I even worked professionally for a long time without GitHub. And we talked about that in pr- in previous episodes as well. You're also getting, this is more of a social thing again, but you're also getting a, a collaboration of ideas. So when, when your team members come to you, they'll be talking to you about, you know, hey, like, you know, what do you think about solving the problem like this? And if it's a really small uh, company, you might be involved in all steps of it. You might be involved in the idea generation through the concept, through the design and all the rest of it. So you're collaborating these ideas in varying degrees, technical and maybe even like I said, design and such. And so now you're you're getting that experience of like, it's not always just you that chooses how the menu looks. You have other people, you know, talking to you and bringing different perspectives. They might think, hey, this isn't good for accessibility. Uh, this contrast isn't, you know, good. Hey, this is, you know, hard to view on certain types of screens. You're always working on an ultra wide screen. A lot of people don't have that. You know, they're bringing in a collaboration of ideas and the collaboration of uh, fixes and everything else. And it's a really a culmination of everyone's experience altogether. And that's something that you can really only experience when you're working with a team. And the final thing here is meetings. So meetings, you know, probably a couple eye rolls already, but meetings are important. And there's an etiquette to them. So you're going to learn the etiquette. It's really easy. You know, don't, you know, don't be running in there, you know, yelling and screaming and stuff like that. But you want to understand sort of the pacing of a meeting. You know, does your company have a person that runs the meeting and then lets everybody talk? And then also what do you bring up in a meeting? You don't want to bring up things that where they're going to, that where the people are just going to say, yeah, we'll figure that out, bud. So you want to learn how to represent and present yourself in the meeting properly where you say, Hey, you know, I'm doing this. You know, uh, the this other team's activities are stepping on my toes. How do we stop that? That's a legitimate thing to bring up and say, hey, this is actually slowing me down. What do you guys think? But don't bring up the fact that you're confused about var and let, you know, like that isn't what you bring up in a meeting. You just quickly Google that. They'll just be like, God's oh, just quickly, ch- quickly check that out. Right. So learning, you know, the etiquette, seeing how other people represent themselves and how they present points in a meeting. And then doing that yourself for your own things. And you're going to mess it up. You're going to you know, overstep. You're going to understep. I mean, of course, but you have to kind of have
2: that experience in order to have that experience as simple as that sounds. I think one more thing I'll add, uh, and this is kind of on the line of collaboration of ideas, is mentorship. If you can get in a situation where maybe it is free work, but there's a solid developer on the team that's willing to mentor you during all this process and going through all these things like matt said like with meetings with github with social just take you through and like correct you course correct you and review your code this is a big one if they're able to review your pull requests you're going to gain a lot from that and whether like yes you are doing some free work and again we're going to discuss should you ever do that but this is a big one for me in the sense that like If I'm going to lean towards free work, if I'm going to get a mentor that I can really learn from, that can really accelerate your career. Uh, you can gain so much more working with someone that's been in the industry for many years than it is working on alone. Like if he can critique your code without, you know, taking you down, uh, that's amazing. If they can, if they can teach you new things, I'm guaranteeing you that's going to pay off the free work quote unquote that you would be doing. In the long run.
1: It's interesting that we've mentioned this a couple of times and I didn't even write this in the show notes is that there is sort of a payment other than experience that still happens, right? Where you are kind of value fishing, whether it is, whether it is just, you know, more experience, whether it is references, whether it is, you know, the stuff that Mike mentioned, whether it is, you know, yada, yada, there is sort of still a fishing of value. And there still is like a, a value exchange there other than the basics, Um that you w- that you will kind of look for or fish for when doing free work, and so that is something to consider. And something that I didn't even consider when I wrote the show notes is that there. I mean, I dare to say it a bit of a cliche. There's more to life than money. I guess there's more to a free job than money. If you if you think about it that way, but I mean, money's pretty nice. So, and that's what we're going to talk about: <laughs> the cons of working for free uh, for a client. Uh, and that is the first one here. first point that I wrote here is that um, you know, even if you're a beginner you do bring monetary value to your client. And that's why they're trying to hire you for free. And that's something to remember is that there's a reason why they're coming to you. If you were an absolute, like, if you were like an absolute fool, and you just did horrible work, and you published, you know, these code snippets that made no sense, and nothing, nothing's going on, uh, nothing good's going on in there. I mean, why would they try to hire you? They would just find someone who is posting good code snippets that has a good portfolio, etc. cetera. And so you do still have a value, even though you are a beginner, even though you don't have work experience. And so that is a con because you're effectively devaluing in terms of monetary value, you're devaluing your work in order to get experience. And so there is a bit of that push and pull and there is a bit of that sort of additional value exchange that we just discussed. Uh, that that you know, sort of seems to happen. It was a bit of a, you know, doing the dance, if you will, doing the negotiation. It's also really easy. This is the. Th- I think this actually might be my number one point. It's very easy to get taken advantage of. Mike and I have been taken advantage of a million times. We probably still get taken advantage of here and there. I mean, everyone try to take tries to kind of take advantage over everybody in little spurts, right? You don't even really think about it. It's just sort of like, hey. I'll try to get a deal on that. That's kind of like a little bit of taking advantage of somebody. Sometimes, depending on how good the deal is, depending on their pricing too, because maybe they're unfairly raising their prices, right? It's a bit of a dance. But it, when you work for free, you know there isn't that sort of like negotiation where somebody's willing to take less and this and that. There, you're you're taking zero. You're taking zero dollars at the end of the day here, and so it's easy to get taken advantage of. Where they might say, "Yeah, you know, just run this multi million dollar app for me." Make this app. I'm going to sell it for $10 million. You made nothing and then also be the support for it. And when you take off or want to take off, they might be like, they might try to guilt trip you into thinking like, Hey, like, I need someone to maintain this. And you're the only one that knows how to do this. You're really leaving me in a bind here. You know, conversations like that are really sort of, are, well, they are. They're really, really are to take advantage. And that does happen out there where some people are just going to be like, fuck it. Like if, if people understand or people want to work for free or are able to work for free. I'm going to take advantage of them, right? There's people out there that will do that. I'm going to make the most amount of money that I can. I'm going to pay the least amount out. I do not care. I want money. They don't need it or they don't – they're willing to work for free. Good game. GG. That is as capitalistic, you know, kind of as a, as it gets if you if you think about it that way and that absolutely happens and it absolutely happens in the free work area. Um, this is also not just for free work. This also is for discounted work or doing favors. So doing, you know, you're getting paid to do, say, 10 tasks, but the, the person would like you to do an 11th task and you just sort of like throw that in. And then you do that for a couple years or something because the 11th task is only a couple minutes. And then now you're at 12 tasks, like you're slowly being taken advantage of. Free work kind of creeps its way in. And so you really got to watch this, right? You don't, you don't want to watch it with like a sense of like anger and like you're always up on, uh, on guard, but you always want to be, you know, kind of analyzing and checking to make sure, hey, um, I know I'm not being paid fairly. I'm not being treated fairly. Either I need to have a meeting, a conversation, or I need to get out of here. Also, it's difficult to transition from free to paid at the same employer. Now, there are some examples of this not being true. So maybe it's a planned internship. Maybe it's a planned probationary period. Maybe it's a planned whatever. And so there's quite literally a path laid out before you start as a free worker to getting to be a full-time worker or a paid worker or a contract worker that gets money or stock options or whatever, right? But if you're just contacted kind of out of the blue, Hey, can you help? Can you help my company? Oh, we're having trouble making our landing pages. We just don't have the bandwidth. You help them. You you build their six landing pages. Whatever. It's been a couple of weeks. You then message them and you say, Hey, you know, would you consider bringing me on? Well, maybe you know, but like here's another six landing pages for you to make. And they just sort of throw you that that free work. This is where stuff sort of gets like what I always refer to as greasy. Like this is where stuff starts getting a little bit greasy, where people start kind of throwing these weird. It's like again, like kind of the root of capitalistic kind of intent of like, I might as well just get free work for this. Like I might as well just get this for free Um, and taking complete advantage over somebody. And it's difficult to transition, especially if the employer has this mentality. And so don't get stuck, I guess is my kind of point from this is don't get into a situation in which you are just sitting there and perpetually working for free. To me, that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't help you. And you don't want to work at a place for five years and then also have another job to pay for everything. You're just working there for five years for free. I'm I'm sure it's happened out there. You know, that that sounds extreme and I am doing an extreme example, but I'm sure that's happened out there because people will get stuck and they keep being promised stock options or they keep being promised work. And so they stay there. I definitely have friends that are working as sysadmins and this and that and the other thing. They're being paid at the same level they were co- as a co-op literally like 10, 10 years ago, nine years ago, seven years ago. And they're like, yeah, but like, you know, the company's really struggling and not to be that, not to be capitalistic on the other side. But I didn't ask if you were struggling. I asked you for more money. <laughs> and so, like, you know what I mean? Like, this is where things start to get kind of greasy, where people, you know, the, the push and pull. And if you're the one that's constantly being pushed over maybe it's time for a change and it's hard to leave because you got comfortable working there. You know, the people, uh, you know, their process and everything, but truly don't you know, try to transition to paid. And if the place doesn't want to do that, the place is being you know inappropriate with you. You think that you're being taken advantage of, I would say it's maybe time time to get out of there, whether, whether you continue working there and then keep applying for paid jobs and then take one eventually, or whether you just quit and go find a paid job, you know, leave that up to your own situation. You know, is it a toxic environment? Do I hate it there or whatever? But just be wary because there's people out there that will take free work. Like, I'm sure that you could work for free forever for your entire life. And they'd be like, thank you for your service. Bye. And then that's it, right? Like They don't care. So just
2: keep that in mind. And And exactly that. Like, keep it in mind. And it works both ways. If you feel like you're getting taken advantage of, you don't owe them anything. Leave. Like mm-hmm. don't don't get stuck in the situation where, like, hey, I I feel like I've invested a bunch of time in this. I want to get this done and I'm getting taken advantage of, but I want to get it done. That that's not a good mindset for this kind of work. There should be a give and take in this situation. Like obviously you've agreed to do some work, but there should be a positive for you. Like you should be gaining experience, you should be gaining mentorship, you should be be treated fairly, you should be allowed flexibility, like, etc. 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 If as soon as that stops being the case, you have to leave. There's no point for you to continue down this route. I'm not saying that you should always ghost your free clients or you should always ghost people because you still want to maintain the relationships. If everything goes well, don't ghost anyone. But again, like it works both ways. If they treat you sh- like shit, treat them like shit.
1: Yeah. Like there is a, there is a point in which like, you don't have to go in there yelling and screaming, you know, and it's just like, that's not what I mean. So although sometimes it does come down to that, you know, it is an unfortunate sort of human thing, but sometimes you just say I'm leaving, you know, I don't have any contract that says I have to stay here. And they're like, everything's going to fall apart without you. It's like, well, am I going to get paid? No, it's like, okay, bye. You know, like that's the other side of capitalism, I guess you could say. Like, I don't want to keep mentioning capitalism, but we're talking about free work here. So this is, this is very monetary based. This is a very money based. This is a very sort of capitalistic getting paid versus not getting paid and, you know, knowing worth and blah, blah, blah. And so absolutely. Like sometimes, sometimes you just have to push back. And, you know, Mike and I have had projects in the past where people will keep saying like, oh, you know, we're struggling. We're struggling. I'm like, I didn't ask that. You know, we've, we've given you a bunch of, and usually Mike and I are more than reasonable with people. If if you come to us and you say you know I owe you ten thousand but I can't afford to pay you and then I go to you and say okay give me a thousand dollars a month for ten months that is very reasonable especially when that wasn't negotiated up front I don't care when I get my really get my money I just need to have a schedule I need to get it consistently and I'll take you know whatever and if you want to negotiate it down to seven fifty for more months fair enough but like you can have that conversation with me but like people will be like ah you know like let's just leave it on the table it's like mm, no. I you know I'm not going to do that actually, and I'm going to you know cease work. I think actually a little bit. So and, and that sounds super harsh, but it's you know it's it's what happens, and it's it's uh, the unfortunate you know kind of back and forth, and you're kind of defending yourself really in some of those situations. Another bad thing. This is sort of a social thing. We've mentioned this in a couple a couple episodes, and Mike's actually tweeted about it, I believe, a few times as well. And one of the biggest cons, one of the biggest sort of annoyances, other than money is the the client that you're working for may not be invested in what you're building. Meaning this, they don't really value it. They're not paying for it, right? So they may never deploy to production. They just always sit in a beta, sit in a dev server somewhere. They may give you no feedback on what you're working on. I saw a couple of Reddit posts and something else where some people were talking about how They, you know, worked as an intern or for free or something like that. It was a free working situation and they received zero feedback to the point of, I think one person was ghosted. It was a conversation among a few people. One person was just ghosted straight up and it's sort of like, oh, great. So I've done all this work. Now I don't have a reference and I just was ghosted because they didn't, they didn't care. It was like some person had an idea. It'd be like if Mike and I were sitting here today and we're like, you know what? I have an amazing idea for a new chocolate bar flavor. And if I'm super entrepreneurial, I'm going to go, that's it. I'm going to go out there and get my website built first for some, for some reason, I'm going to go get my website built first. We find an intern, we get them to make this thing. And then we find out that that flavor had already come up. It completely failed. Everyone hated it because we didn't do any market research. We go, dang. And then we just block the developer. We don't care what he makes because it's no longer a valuable idea to me. And you move on. That is something that really could happen. You know, it's obviously the situation in this place is a little comedic, but that is something that really can happen with a free like with an unpaid internship with an unpaid position they may not give you any feedback they may ghost you right and the thing in the thing that we've been saying in the last couple episodes too is that they need the site they don't want the site so maybe they're being told from their employer hey go source out like a like a an unpaid intern like give me an give me an unpaid intern and get them to build us a new landing page for our latest product that our latest product that's in beta. And they don't really like, they're not passionate about that project. They're, you know, they've been kind of given, you know, like a crap assignment, you know, at the end of the day. And so they need the site. They don't want it. And so they're only going to contact you when there's problems. They're going to give you minimal feedback because they don't want to spend much time on it. And it's the same thing that Mike and I have talked about on full blown projects, right? Not just landing pages where we have word for people that, Need a site, but they don't want it. And so they just ask for stuff that's just totally ridiculous. Um, because they're just, they're just dreamers. They're, they're, they're dreamers, but they don't care about the site. They're not, they're not looking at it every day. They're not checking the design. They're not checking the stats. They're not trying to work on the SEO. They're just, they just know that, you know, someone higher up than them told them to get a site going. And that's what, that's what they're doing. It wasn't a part of their dream to run a site. It wasn't a part of, It's not a part of uh, the, the company's vision to have the website make them a bunch of money. And so if you're working for free, they might treat you like garbage in that particular instance. And it might not even be intentional, but it might be like they call you only when there's a problem and they're absolutely freaking out every single time. And it's like, I'm working for free. And this guy is calling me like I'm on call. What is going on here? And that is seriously something that can happen with paid and unpaid, but Having the client not be invested in what you're building is a serious problem um, and is, I would say, kind of ha- the the free work territory is prime territory for this. Someone just has an idea. They throw it out there. Let's just have it built. Let's just have it built for free real quick. You know, why not? See if it does anything. Oh, it didn't do anything. Okay, whatever. Just ghost that person. Moving on. And that's – it's just that simple in terms – in in some people's perspective. Now, we talked about client work to death here, but you might be thinking, well, I'll, I'll gain experience by, by working open source. And it's like, OK, fair enough. So what's the difference between open source versus client work? Now, I just have a few points here. I'm sure there's a bunch more. But, you know, the first one, the first kind of thing I want to mention is that open source can actually be seen as charity work. We've touched on this earlier in the episode a little bit, kind of dabbled around it. But open source projects might literally be for a charity. But you are being charitable, even if it is, even if the project is not for a charity, you are being charitable to the community. You're helping, you know, make a cool tool or you're making a cool website or you're helping your favorite community, whether it's like a gaming community or like a golf community or a gardening community or whatever community you're in, you're helping out that community. And so you're being charitable to that organization. And depending on the size of the, uh, job you're doing for them and the size of the actual project itself you may be working solo but you also might be working in a a team and so you might get the same sort of social you might get the same you might there might even be tickets in jira there might be uh and and also issues in github which are kind of like tickets in a way um you're using github obviously because you're doing pull requests you're talking to you know the administrators of the project to ensure that you know changes that they want make like you you don't just go in and take it from like you know, you didn't convert ClipChamp to like CapCut, you know, like that's not the goal of ClipChamp in this particular case, right? If, if they were both open source, that's a totally different thing. And so you're really, you know, you're getting that social experience. You're getting a collaboration of ideas. You're looking at what's actually needed. You're considering what other people are using. And so this is a potential good way of getting experience without, without working uh, for free for a client. The caveat here is that some people aren't going to look at open source the same way. They're going to look at it as almost like as if you did a little volunteer work in your hometown. Oh, you know, a building burned down in your hometown and you helped in the cleanup crew. Cool. But you weren't employed during that time, right? that's sort of the perspective some hr people are going to have if it's dev to dev meaning if a dev is hiring you as a dev they they'll, they'll see open source more than likely differently they'll see open source as like oh yeah this is work experience oh it was a big project and you worked with a team of 10 people to make this huge forum post or more huge this huge excuse me forum like cms or something Cool. That's really cool. I understand the technical ins and outs of that. You got some social experience, uh, meaning professional social experience, working with a team. Great. But an HR person is going to be like, "What is that? Oh, is that a volunteer project?" Because they don't have the context. They don't understand that. And so that's one of the caveats of working you know, for open source is is that some people they're not going to have a necessarily a negative stigma against it. I haven't really seen a negative stigma against open source in my time, but there's going to be a misunderstanding for sure where people just don't understand. Like, what do you, what do you mean by open source? Like Facebook's free too. And that's not open source. Like you're just working for like, you know, a volunteer project. Like why? And it's, and and an HR person may, will value or may value you working for an employer that they can call. You know, it's more of like in their wheelhouse of, Oh, you worked for Microsoft. Did you let me call them up? But if you're like, Oh, Hey, I worked for, you know, the forum for the, I'm just making this up for the unofficial Elder Scrolls pages or something. And they're be like, who do I call? And it's like, well, there's nine leaders and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay. Um, were you unemployed during that time? Like that's seriously where their mind might go. Were you just unemployed and, and you know, not really, you know, doing anything? Like what, <laughs> what were you doing during that time? And so that's one of the sort of negative parts of working open source. But if you can swing it, you can swing it.
2: For, for open source, um, couple more points i think so there's a few paths in open source you could start working for some more complex libraries that are used by many many people uh that can be seen pretty favorably by a lot of developers like matt was mentioning it's a little bit different when a developer is hiring versus hr is hiring but if you're looking to for instance i'll give you an example someone that wants to work in svelte they love the svelte framework uh And that's what they want to do. A lot of times the path to that, because it's not as big as React, needs to be through a community source. So like you've got to network through a community and to do that, maybe you're contributing to Svelte. Maybe you're contributing to a package on top of Svelte, something like that, where you're helping out other Svelte developers that are in the industry and that are hopefully working in actual actual companies that are using it. And at that point, if you put yourself as ready for hire well if someone's already using your library that you created or that you're maintaining or whatever you're going to be all of a sudden at the front of the list because now you can be hired and you can be inside the company that you're going to be using that library that you are maintaining so it's a it, it's a really big plus in certain situations it's a niche thing this is a niche thing but if you're looking for getting a job in a certain technology Contributing to that technology or the ecosystem is a very good way to get your foot in the door. I can guarantee you that. I have talked to multiple developers that have been hired and then I've had multiple offers because they were top contributors on Svelte. Like that, that is an actual like thing. Um, the other thing is like sometimes these larger frameworks like Svelte get paid sponsors. And they use that sponsorship money to hire community members to do certain things that the free, you know, maintainers just don't have time to do, right? So again, there is ways to transition from free to paid inside of an open source project. It's a little bit more niche. It's a little bit more complex in the the sense that you'd really need to know your stuff. Um, Maybe not always beginner friendly, but it is something that you could start as a beginner and maintain like get better and better and better at inside the community, like update documentation, update certain like languages, update little files here and there, and then get better understanding of the code until you can update more complex things. There's a path to profitability inside of an open source maintainer. Um, but overall, yes, it's not viewed the same as a job for the most part because there is no one to call. It's a different environment. Open source is very asynchronous Uh, there, you're going to hardly ever have standups, obviously. So you're not going to have this traditional work environment, quote unquote, work environment a lot of time, whether you want that or not, again, that is regardless, but sometimes an employer will want to see that you've had that experience. So there is some give and take when you're just doing open source, uh, for getting into the workplace.
1: Familiarity plays a big part there too, right? Because they're business people; they probably worked B two B to some extent, so they know how to interact with another business. But they don't know how to interact with an open source project if they have no experience with an open source project. But the the sort of social, I'm going to call it social media aspect of open source was a great point, Mike. You know, being a top contributor, being a notable contributor, even right, where you're getting a lot of kudos and stuff like that in the community, building up that uh, sort of rapport. You and I have talked about you know, the the benefits of having a social. Uh, not necessarily social media following, but like being active and having like lots of connections and talking to people. You don't have to have like 40,000 people on Twitter talking to you, but if you, you know, kind of inject yourself in there, talk to people and you're not, you're not an influencer, but you're chatting with people that are influential or, you know, hiring managers and stuff like that. Like just being relevant, if you will, whether it's behind closed doors or uh, out in public on social, when you're posting stuff, um, Is a huge thing. And so there is sort of like that's almost that social media angle of open source that I never even really thought of. So with all these points sort of presented, I'm sure there's more out there and I'm sure you might you, the listener, might be thinking more and let us know on the socials if you do think of some. But I do want to kind of have a debate now over whether, you know, should you ever work for free? Um, And uh, Mike, I'm going to let you go first on this one, actually.
2: Do you want to, how do you want to do the debate? Do you want to do like one of us takes one point, the other one takes another point, plays devil's advocate, or do you want us to both kind of give our take on both sides?
1: I was going to say give it your take. Okay, actually, hang on. In like, in one sentence right now, we'll, we'll choose how the debate goes based on the sentence. In one sentence, where are you sitting?
2: I would work for free if I was starting out. And I have the opportunity to gain some serious mentorship for a predefined amount of time, if that makes sense as a single sentence. Yes. Okay. I would say
1: when it comes to client work specifically, I would not work for free unless it was my last resort and I was backed into a corner. I think <laughs> that open source is a different animal.
2: Okay. So are you okay? Okay. Let me ask a follow up question on the open source. Are you saying open source is the same as client work? Or are you saying open source may be a different animal in the sense that you would do open source over free client work?
1: I think open source is a different mentality completely. And so when you're working for free for a client, to me, it's like you're kind of trial running a job when you're doing open source, it is kind of like a bit of charity work, again, being charitable to the community. And so, I consider that different from my perspective. Like, I'm not going to be like, hey, man, like, are they going to pay you? Like, I would never ask that, I don't think, from somebody, unless they were working on it, you know, 90 hours a week. And it's like, hey, they're going to pay you type thing just because of the amount of time. But when someone tells me, oh, I'm working for you know, enter a company name here, whatever it is. I might be like, Oh, Hey, like, and if I'm close enough with them to talk finances, I might be like, how are they paying you? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's a different animal in that it's a different conversation. Cause one of them is you're literally working for an employer, whether it's free or not. And the other one is I'm helping out a project. So to me, it's like, I'm not like, again, I, I am against working for free for a client, whether that's freelance or working as an, as an employee. Okay. Uh, for you know, and I am not against contributing to open source.
2: Okay, I got gotcha. you. Uh, so I think we're we're on a little bit of opposite spectrums here, uh, so we can argue there. L- let me let me do this. I'm gonna give a scenario where I think I would say yes okay. to working for free. Okay. Uh, the scenario is, I'm new developer. Maybe I have some experience. I I, I understand basic concepts of a framework. Um, I just can't break into the industry. I've, I've hundred resumes, zero responses, etc. A I, I'm on I'm active on social media. I'm talking to a developer that's been working for a startup for a little while. They're saying, "Hey, we have a, a, a position open for an unpaid internship. Uh, it's like a month long thing. We just need someone to come in and help with X, Y, and Z. Right? It's going to be not paid right now. Potentially to be paid." Uh, later on, but the potential is like, you can't guarantee anything. Um, I'll help you. I'll help onboard you. Uh, I'll help you get started. I'll do your code reviews, et cetera. You'll be working alongside me. You're going to be helping me with this stuff. Um, I would like, if, if I was in that position, I would say yes. Right. Cause the, the assumption here is most likely the startup is doesn't have enough money to hire someone. They do have enough money to pay the senior developer or something like that. They just have too much work. They want to bring someone on. Sucks. Situation sucks in general that you can't get a job after 100 resumes, but maybe now you're going to make that connection better to the senior developer. Maybe they'll hire you in the future or you're at least going to get that reference. Plus, you're going to gain a bunch of experience on top of that inside of a corporate, uh, a small startup structure, which you can be wearing many hats in that situation. And Again, the big thing here is I think it needs to be a little bit time boxed where it's like, okay, you're going to be here for a month, maybe two months, whatever, however long you can have, uh, however long you can afford to do this for. Or maybe it's a part-time thing, whatever. But like I'm just thinking like if I was in that situation, if I had the opportunity because this is this is different too. Like uh, people that are struggling to get work are probably in a situation where their money is running out right like they're struggling to pay bills in that situation you might not be able to work for free because if you work for free you will lose like you will lose your house or you will not be able to pay rent or whatever right so i'm i'm speaking from a position of privilege in the situation that maybe you're living at home with your parents and you have some time and you have some eff- like opportunity I feel like this applies to a very small, like narrow group of people. So maybe it's not worth discussing as much as I want to discuss it. Uh, but that's the situation that I think I would say yes in. What about you, Matt?
1: Well, I actually want to kind of zoom in on something you said there, which is really interesting. Is that is when you talk to the connections, when you talk to the the, the other developers and stuff, if they, if they like you in general, if you kind of put the word out on the street kind of thing or in the office that um, that you are looking for paid work. If they hear about paid work that they're not interested in, they'll pass that along to you. I was passed like a bunch of IT position jobs, like not jobs one to one, but they'd be like, yo, man, like I got a buddy who works on Microsoft and he they're looking for assistant men. You know, maybe you should, you know, ask about that. He's like, it might be senior or something. Right. And it's not like it's one to one getting offered a job, but it's getting intel from people. Right. And 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 it can result in one to one. Yo, my buddy wants to hire somebody. Are you in? Of course, but that is a super interesting angle because you would not have had those connections and you you would not have had like a place to put that word out on the street, <laughs> if you will, if you didn't work there. Um, that would be a situation though, in which, like the 100 resumes and that, like you said, in which I would think, yes, I agree with you because you are backed into a corner and you need to do something, right? Um, it's going to be weird or hard or impossible, maybe even to balance if you are struggling to pay bills. If you don't, you know, live at home or live in a situation in which maybe your spouse is making enough money and then you're, you know, just kind of trying to get into, get into a new career or something like that, whatever the situation calls for in which your income is, you know, super crucial to the point of survival. It's sort of like, okay, like, what do we do here? Um, but the kind of the main reason I would say that I'm against paid work in general, unpaid work, excuse me, in general for clients is that I honestly don't think it's going to be treated as professional when you're there. Now, there is, there are exceptions to every rule, you know, school internships, those type of things are very formal, right? They're very, so it's an agreement with the school, and you're there to get experience, and that's a little bit different. But if you are truly bringing, you know, value to the table, you have a good portfolio, you know, you're not being a jerk to people. They they like you to an extent. Like I said in the episode, they're approaching you because you have some sort of value to them, and they should be able to, at the very least, come to you and say, "We're going to put you on probation. And we're going to give you minimum wage." But then there's – then we time box the minimum wage or we time box the stock options if it's a startup or whatever it is, right? And we 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 say – maybe not even time box. Maybe we project box. You're going to work on this and once you're done, you know, your 12 landing pages and we liked it, then we'll take you off of the probation or the internship and we'll move you over or like whatever. To me, it's just – if money doesn't enter the conversation right away, I think you actually start at a lower point if you stay at the same employer. Because they see you as someone who would work for free, you know, oh, great, you know, Yeah. and you're so they're going to be like, you know, and so it's like, oh, and so, you know, Mike, Mike came to us and we actually really need him. So we'll pay him 30 an hour. But Mike or uh, Matt, Matt's been here since he was ba- paid, you know, 725 US an hour for his probationary period minimum wage. Let's just pay him 15. That's double. Look at how much money he's going to make. He's going to love that double money. Right. Meanwhile, you're making double and like we're equivalent, let's say. In terms of experience and value to the company. And so
2: the like the relationship kind of starts a little bit fractured there. 100%. No, you're, you're 100% right. That's exactly what would probably happen. Um, even un- just subconsciously, you're going to do that. And you're going to be like, well, you're, you were getting paid zero. Now you're getting paid 30000 a year. Whoa, look at that. You got a 30,000% th- increase
0: yeah, um, yeah, in your really. salary.
2: <laughs> and like you should be happy. And even from your own self, you're like, well, I gave this guy 30,000% increase in salary. Who cares? Um It's true. Like that. that is the case. That's why like when you're at a company and you start at a low wage, it's really difficult to build yourself up to a wage that you want. Whereas if you start and – you ask for a higher wage it's much easier to get that if you like switch a switch companies it's just how it is internally and it sucks because again companies are losing good talented people uh because they refuse to kind of bump equivocally to how a comp- how they would be hiring which is really strange but that's just how it's been right um he i i like thinking about it like it's really difficult to to really put it into perspective how rare I would recommend working for free like it would be very rare I do want to flip it a little bit what about and we've done this before so I kind of know the answer um nonprofits and charity work
1: see there's a different there's a motivation there um like it's a good question if if you're close to the cause you know whatever it is if it's Donating to cancer research and you've, you know, been affected by cancer, your family's been affected by cancer, then you might be like, I really believe in this and I'm going to do it. And it, it's almost like it would be something you would do at a hobby level, meaning, you know, you do your hobbies for free. It gives you value because, you know, you're getting relaxation and enjoyment out of it. But, you know, you're, you're feeling good that you helped them through whatever project or tool or struggle that you helped and you feel like you contributed to that cause that you're passionate about. That's one thing. Um, I would treat it more capitalistic. I wouldn't be as harsh, I think, if I didn't care about the cause. I know that's gonna, that's gonna sound kind of weird, but like, I feel like when it comes to charities and stuff, like, we, you need to be, you know, passionate or in agreement with what they're doing. Whereas, you know, if you have never had any experience with, like, there's a charity for some really specific localized thing that happened across the world and you have absolutely no experience. I'm not saying you go over there and be like, this is dumb. But you're going to be like, hey, like I I don't know anything about this and like no amount of reading is going to make me passionate about this. Like I'm just – like I'm out. You know what I mean? Like I'm just going to be like, I don't care. Like I know that sounds really bad. But it's like I just don't know what you're talking about.
2: I, I 100% agree. I, for, for me, I would – like for instance, I I love rabbits, bunnies. Like I, I I have bunnies. I've had bunnies for like a long time. If for instance like a rabbit rescue were to come to me. A nonprofit rabbit rescue would have come to me and be like, "I we need a website. I'm on it. I'll I do it for free. You know, <laughs> I'd, I'd spend a couple weekends put throw something together that's good that I'm proud of, and I give it to them. If, for instance, something that I don't care about at all, uh, cricket. I don't. Like, I'm sorry, people that love cricket. If a cricket organization <laughs> were to come to me and they said they need like a, a an app or a website for their team or whatever, I would say no. So because yeah, I, think like, I they don't you know anything about
0: it. Like same don't with me. Yeah.
2: Don't care. And I don't know anything about it. And I'm not willing to learn (laughs) because it's, it's for free. And I just, yeah, I I will only be doing nonprofit and charity work that, you know, aligns with my values and my, my interests.
1: That's a, yeah, that is a very good example because uh, we were. In the running for, I don't know if we ever applied or maybe they found somebody before we did it, but there was a, a really popular mod for a game that I used to play as a kid and they were like revamping the game and blah, blah, blah. And they were looking for like a web dev. And I was like talking to you being like, hey, like we have some downtime in a couple of weeks because I think we're just about to finish a big project. And I was like, I'm going to like talk to them. By the time that happened, I think they found a dev and like, that's fine. But like I was going to just do it because I was like, holy fuck, that's pretty cool. Like I wouldn't mind being a part of that. Right. And that's not really like a charity case in terms of like a formal charity, but it is a charity case in that they needed somebody, you know, for free. And I was going to do do that. And that was something I cared about. But in the same breath, it's like I I love gaming. But if you talk to me about Final Fantasy, I just don't know anything about fucking Final Fantasy. I just don't know. (laughs) So it's like if you told me to make you a site, it's like, I guess I could. But it's not going to be that good because I don't really know what's going on. And no amount of reading in a short amount of time is going to make me understand what's going on. You know, it's been around for so long and blah, blah, blah. It's like, you should probably like, I'm just not the person for this. So I think, I think maybe like as a conclusion, it's almost like, you know, work, work for money whenever you can. That's like point one work for work for free. If you're getting value from it, like needed value. If you already have a bunch of experience and they're like, you'll get great experience. I already have experience. You know, stop, <laughs> Okay, so like needed experience or needed value. If you need that value, then maybe you know you can have that back and forth. Seek additional value other than money. Whether it's the the tax return thing, like you said, depending on your jurisdiction and tax law, lo- local tax laws. Um, you know, maybe some stock options, or maybe like you know a uh, great community where you can find a job after mentorship, friends, whatever. Try to seek that other stuff and. Um, Open source work is kind of a different animal and charity work is a different animal where you can kind of take bits and pieces of our conversation here today and apply it to your own situation and then decide whether you want to do open source work for free or, you know, do a charity case of some sort uh, as
2: needed. I think that sums it up really well. Um, Yeah, honestly, like it's just it's one of those things where hopefully you don't you never have to do it unless you really want to.
1: Yes, I I'm I, I think some people are too willing to do it, and I would like to say as sort of a, a like a final note on what to do if you don't want to work for free, but you are in between jobs is, I mean, open source is always there, right? Like you can maybe try to contribute there, try to get into a team, get that some of that social aspect. But you, the, there's always room for improvement in your portfolio, and your social media stuff too. If you want to post on social like a bunch, go for it. You know that those are kind of prime areas where you can invest the time for quote-unquote free meaning no money but you're investing it in yourself
2: hackathons last thing uh mm. if you if you have the time and you want to dedicate some time hackathons can really put you on the map um again it shows that you can work under pressure it shows that you can deliver on a project at the end of the day if you win something you win something that's great it puts you on the on the leaderboards and stuff like that like hackathons are are, are low-key kind of like pretty pretty key if you're trying to break into the industry. Um, they teach you a lot in a really quick amount of time. They don't teach you everything because hackathons are usually you do it for two weeks and then you dump it. So there's a lot that you need to do around those two weeks to make you a full-on develop – like a, a very productive developer. But it is a great way to get in front of companies specifically and put you ahead of the competition. It's a good, it's a good mention. I completely forgot about hackathons, and it's very relevant. So, and the
1: good, it's a good catch and a good mention for sure. But I think that concludes this episode. Uh, I'm sure you have different points than us, maybe more points, maybe you know more uh, or different uh, you know ways you would argue in you know sort of our final debate slash discussion. And uh, we want to hear about we want to hear about those different opinions on that. So if you uh, wouldn't hit, mind hitting us up on the socials, Mike runs our Twitter slash X. I run our TikTok and our Instagram and our Facebook, actually, by association. So if you want to reach out to any of us, you can you know, DSM DMS. What? What am I saying here? You can DM us. What's going on here? You can DM us on any of those things or on our Discord, of course. You can go check us out on there. And if you want to support the show, again, we do have a Scrimba link. It is an affiliate link. You can go check us out there. You get a discount. You can learn from some talented instructors on a variety of different topics with an interactive a code editor, media player, where you can in, you can interact, change, and whatever with the code that's on the screen as the instructor goes through it. So you can play and break with it, break break it, and trying to figure out what the heck is going on. And I can't speak apparently, so remember we're on Patreon.com before I my voice completely breaks. That's Patreon.com/html. the things if you want to support the show. And many thanks to our three dollar tier patrons, Ryan Gatchman from Blue Black Digital and BlueBlackDigital.com. Tim from the web hacker on web hacker.com. Uh, Jason from Geek Life Radio via Geek Michael Curry from MC Web Studio via MC Web Magnus from YesWeb via YesWeb.se, Jeff from Twitter via at the Jeff and Kale. Fire, Fire Ant Season via fireantseason.com. Gunnar Burnett via gunnarbrunette.com. Watoto Coding via WatotoCoding.com, Garrett Segal. And Level Up Financial Planning via www.levelupfinancialplanning.com. I hope I didn't miss anyone there because I vocal part of my brain is shutting off currently. Uh, I only had two coffees today, so it's time to coffee up. And uh, feel free to leave a comment or review on the platform you're listening to this on. And uh, we're going to be uh, signing off.
0: You've been listening to HTML All the Things Podcast, web development. Web design and small business. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you appreciate that we talk to you like human beings. And we hope you had some fun. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on social media. On Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon at HTML All The Things. And on Twitter at HTML Everything. Until next time, this is HTML All The Things signing off you <smart noise>